Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh my goodness, hello! Hi! Hey, it's us again. It is. We're here to tell you some things before the proper beginning of the episode begins. Wow. First of all, holy smokes, we have got some new merch that we are very excited about. We have a magical kitten bored meow shirt. Yeah, you that, heard that right. Bored yeah. meow. Yeah, right? That Diana Kresge illustrated for us. It is a thing of beauty. We also have a new version of the Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy shirt. Many of you have requested uh, merch that would suit your goth lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> merch that Kate Leth could have worn in high school. And we're only, or now, too happy to oblige. We've got a brand new Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy designed by Devin Power, and it is sick. Both new shirts are so awesome. Oh, it has like two hammers crossed with a stake down the middle. Yeah. It's just really special. Yes. Both of those things, as well as Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy baby onesies. Yeah, you can't start them too young, Jenny. And the Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy original design tank tops back by popular demand. They're all up in our brand new shiny store, which you can still find by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop. Yes, you can. You can. Now, I want to talk about something for a second over here. We, you know, we have a Patreon. We talk about it here and there because it's the way that we support the podcast. It's the way that we support our work. It keeps us going. And it also brings really fun things to you all in the land of Patreon, right? Something, though, remarkable has happened. Something that we didn't plan. We couldn't have planned it, right? We could not have conceived of it on our own. We got an email from one of our patrons that said, hey, hey, guys, just I wanted to give you a heads up to let you know that in the secret Facebook group, if you're a patron at any level, the dollar, the $5, the $10 level, you're welcome in the secret Facebook group. And it is thriving. There's like a thousand members. And I mean, it's just a wonderland. So this person said, I wanted to make sure that you knew that we're doing a holiday gift exchange. I can't. I can't. We set it up. They So they they did this. They. You. You did this. <laughs> of your own volition. Set up a holiday gift exchange. So there's a big list. There were 70-something people on it the last time I checked. We were invited to join, and we have both joined individually. Yes. So everyone gets matched up with somebody else, and then you exchange holiday gifts. <laughs> Because we're all huge nerds and we love each other and we love the sense of community and it's the holiday season and it's just so special I could cry. If you would like to be a part of the holiday gift exchange, I believe it's open until November 26th. That's the day that the list sort of closes. Just become a patron. Um, if you're not already, you'll get into the secret Facebook group. And one of the events is the holiday gift exchange. So as long as you get there before the 26th of November, you'll be entered in. Everybody is going to be matched. Two of you will be matched with one of you will be matched with me and one of you will be matched with Jenny. Oh, my goodness. We'll give each other gifts. The pressure. It's so great. I believe it's like, a you know, the spending limit is like $25. So it's not 
not, you know, it's not a super high thing and, and we'll all be sort of at the same level of giving plenty of new t-shirts that you could, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm just so moved by it. And so I wanted to let you all know about that and a couple of other really fun things happening in the world of Patreon. Yes. First of all, next week we're off, right? We're doing this three weeks on one week off thing so that we're energized and we can write you good music and talk about things and be <laughs> just ready to go. <laughs> But next week, we will be releasing a mailbag episode, and all of our $10 patrons get the, the mailbag episode. So we wanted to let you know, if you're a patron at that level, you will not have an off week. You will have an on week. You'll get a mailbag where we talk about so many theories about why Angel might set a fire uh, mm -hmm. in his uh, establishment. We will talk about Newton's second law of motion and how that <laughs> mathematically informs whether or not Buffy could have severed Gwendolyn Post's arm with that piece of glass in Revelations. Mm -hmm. We will talk about the recent elections. We talk about a ton of stuff. It's a really fun episode, um, and we're excited to share it with all of you uh, who are supporting us at that level. So thank you. And for all of our patrons at any giving level, we get Buffy watches. And on December 9th, drum roll, please. Yep. We will be watching Bad Girls together. Yeah, you heard me. Bad girls. <laughs> Jenny and I will be sitting down, giggling our faces off. I'm very excited. At that, at that Buffy watch. So um, you can check out all the details again over on the secret Facebook page. The event is up there. December 9th, bad girls, you all and us. To check out our Patreon page, just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon. Oh, one more quick thing. Yes? We have a little bit of extra adult language in this episode. Sorry. We uh, we get into a conversation about the bases and um, what they mean. So we know some of you listen to this with your children, and perhaps you are comfortable with these things being discussed amongst your children. Be very progressive of you. Sure. But we just wanted to give you a heads up. We say some stuff. Maybe you're cool with it. Maybe you don't want your kids. I don't Maybe know. Maybe you should I don't just know listen you. first without Maybe your you kids. Maybe you should listen first. Then, okay, cool. Great. to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time in chronological order. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about season three, episode nine, The Wish, also known as the one with Anya. True. I, I left a pause for you so you could put in um, the crowd cheer. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. The Wish was written and directed by Dream Team, Marty Noxon and David Greenwald, respectively, yeah. and originally aired on December 8th, 1998. Woo! Ingrid Michelson's birthday. Also one of my friends who isn't famous on birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where Cordelia's wish for a Buffy-free Sunnydale comes true, plunging her into a world where vampires have control of the town. Ooh, plunging. Yeah, they, IMDb has had a, like, a long string of good weeks. They hired a new they hired for yeah, season three. <laughs> Recaps. They upped the Annie for season three descriptions. Speaking of upping the Annie, uh -huh. if I may. You may. Uh, we see a brand new kind of demon at the beginning of this episode, and... I'm calling it uh, Spawn of Cthulhu. 
sure, Acolyte sure, sure. of Cthulhu. Sure. I'm calling it Zoidberg. Also, <laughs> <laughs> totally valid. <laughs> Either way. I actually, in my notes, I called it octopus head. And then I was like, wait a second. I know I've another octopus head. Oh, what a, no offense if you are an octopus like humanoid or if you have a lot of mouth tentacles, but like, <laughs> It's really for a human who has grown up around other humans yes. who have sideways yes, we've been mouths socially conditioned and no mouth tentacles. Right, of the course. mouth tentacles covering almost covering a vertical spiny toothed mouth. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Very upsetting. It's pretty rough, and, and it's pretty like pretty accurate with what what is going on underneath the ocean. In my opinion. No. I mean, maybe not this like, who exact knows what's down demon, there. but right. Jenny, I'm not exactly sure how you feel about oceans, but I am terrified of them because of exactly these kind of Zoidbergs. Um, I have a healthy yet fearful respect uh -huh. for the oceans. Mm, a long time ago, I wanted to be an ocean person. Uh, wait, sorry. An that sounds like person. I wanted to be a, like a mermaid or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be like a marine biologist or something. I was very into like sharks growing up. Mm -hmm. And we had some saltwater tanks for reasons no one can explain. Right. We had like eels and seahorses and whatnot growing up. I was like very into saltwater. But also. I mean, it's a very healing substance. Yes. Yeah, so healing, full of uh, magnificent creatures. Yes. Quails. Magic. Magic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just giving the facts about the ocean. Right, right, right. Salt water, healing properties, magic, and whales, and the unknown abyss of terror. Right, right. It is deeply alarming when you think about the possibility that the ocean might contain right? a creature that you don't know so large that we can't even fathom. You know what? It also, I sometimes think about what if the Earth is an egg. And that molten core uh -huh. that we, the scientists love to go on and on about right. is actually the bottom of the ocean. An embryo. <laughs> go on. Uh, and that's the yolk of the earth. Okay. And and soon, uh -huh. as global warming continues yes, yes. to increase. Of course. That's not a real thing, but yes. The, right. That's made up. The earth will hatch. We will all be cast off like so much Useless debris headed like the for the, the galactic dustbin. Uh-huh. Uh, and whatever has been growing and forming for millennia inside the egg of the earth. This is will never hatch. gonna connect back to the ocean, is it? No, I'm just talking about like fear, <laughs> the waiting. unknown I'm like, I'm mysteries waiting. of I'm the waiting. earth, even <laughs> deeper than the ocean. I see. I, it's just like another when I think when I th my uh Ponderings, my childhood ponderings upon the depth and unknowability of the yes. ocean Go further naturally than... led uh -huh. to that I see. Uh, deeper fear. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm, I hope that everyone is happy that they've chosen to listen to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we terrify <laughs> you about the possibilities that lie within the Earth's core. Uh, yes. <laughs> so... We we see here a rare moment of uh, practicality or the acknowledging of sort of yes. practical reality, mm -hmm. which is that uh, not all demons go poof when you kill them. Right. Not all demons go, which I think we talked about early in the season that you, like I remember you talking about the fact that the decision for uh, vampires to dust was 
uh, a practical one because right, right, what right. would we have done with all of those bodies? Like what would they have just practically done filming-wise with all of those dead bodies, you know? Right. And so then what would they do, uh, you know, in terms of being high school students? Right. Would they have to just, would there be I like mean, a I mean, we see in this episode, there's an incinerator. Right, right. But yeah, and, and I think, you know, watching this, I thought this was like a fun moment for us learning about their relationship and they're coming together as these the trio of Scoobies right now. They're just like, you know, Buffy's been through a broken heart and Xander and Willow are now suffering broken hearts and they're bonding over it. And she Buffy says, if you guys hadn't been here to help me... I would. I might have right. died. I mean, I didn't. I don't really buy it because the whole opening scene with her, she's literally like, as she's quote dying, she's like rolling her eyes and making jokes still. So you right, feel like she right. would have been okay. But but the I think the purpose of this is to underline what we the Buffy we actually see in this episode once we get past the wish, which is a Buffy that acts alone with no help whatsoever. Mm. Like it's really in stark contrast. Right. 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 Also, everyone's broken at the same time. Everyone's broken. And it's that misery does like company. So it's a good moment for the Scoobies sharing yeah. sharing the You know the who sadness? doesn't have anybody to share their pain with? Yeah. Cordelia. Yeah. She's just sharing her pain with open flames. I love this scene, though. Like, I mean... Who doesn't love loved- spitefully burning pictures of someone who hath scorned you? Cordelia, like, okay, I don't want for Cordelia's heart to be broken. I don't want for Cordelia ha- to have fallen down a stairway hole and to have been impaled. But I also don't want Cordelia to date Xander. So there's a bit of a win in this episode for me. <laughs> because, because I feel like... Uh, Cordelia is channeling her pain and finding some of her anger that is going to keep her away from men who are stupid. Ah, men, as she says later on, uh, she she wishes for a world with uh, no men except for maybe the. I believe she says the beautiful and the very intelligent. What? No. The beautiful and the very intelligent. Wait, here's what I wrote down. <laughs> Jenny, we know what men Jenny wants to keep around. Cordelia wants to keep around no men except for the dumb and feeble. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what she said? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I think you had the You want to go spell. back and check the tape? I No, let's just no, let let's it ride. No, let's go back and check the tape. In fact, I wish all men except maybe the dumb and the really agreeable kind disappear on the face of the earth. That would be so cool. Or- okay, so we... We played the sound clip. It's clear. One thing is clear is that Cordelia does not say beautiful and, <laughs> and intelligent, but that is that is what Jenny heard. So maybe this was a little magical scene where you hear what you want to hear. hear, what you want. But we, but it is. It's not unclear. She does say dumb and maybe feeble, maybe beautiful, maybe what was the word that you thought it might be? Uh, agreeable. Agreeable. Dumb and agreeable would make sense. Is there a way? So yeah. we don't know what this line is. Maybe somebody has the script and can let us know. Please. What that last line was supposed to be. But regardless, <laughs> point being, uh, I like to live in a world where Cordelia is just not happy with men, you know? I like to live in a world where cue the blues riff, clue the metal guitar Hell solo, yes. cue the convertible flaming into its parking spot, the door opening, the high heel... Dropping to the floor. This is like the best entrance in the series. <laughs> it's is. so great. Like it's Spike so great. drives through the fucking sign. It's great. He's got a cigarette. Whatever. Yeah, Spike. Yeah, yeah. Did, but 
like Buffy has some good moments. Yeah, but yeah. when but when we get this scene where we hear Willow say, Amy said she looked pretty scary. And then let's just like, <laughs> play a little bit of the guitar solo. Yeah. So good. It's just so good. It's so good. And don't you worry, Kate Leth is going to join us this episode. She's got a lot to say, but we're going to, everybody just hold yeah, tight. Just hold we're going to get, we'll, we'll get there. Not quite yet, but holy shit, Cordelia. This, whew. Also real, Harmony is the worst. Harmony is the worst. Mercedes McNabb, the actress who plays Harmony, does a fucking amazing job in this scene. I mean, she, she does an amazing job, hard stop. But I just feel like we see that Harmony is the worst and also that Harmony is so just riddled with insecurity all at one time. Like, you know, yeah. you can you can play a mean girl or you can play a mean girl. <laughs> and I just, Mercedes McNabb, shout out to you. We should we should try to get Mercedes McNabb on the show. Come talk to us, Right, Mercedes. let's, I'll work on it. I'll Please. work on it, everybody. But in the meantime, let's uh, let's discuss. Cordelia? Well, who's that new Cordette? Who, I don't know, Jenny, who is that? Well, her name is Anya. I wonder if we'll ever see her again. I wonder if we will. I mean, if we don't, I still understand why she is your favorite Totally. Character. You've seen the full 360 degrees <laughs> of She's Anya. great. She knows Prada from Payless, and she's not siding with the Cordettes. Nice. She's siding with our Cordelia. Hell yeah. She is... She's probably got the Cordelia appreciation jingle as her ringtone. To- 100%. 100%. It actually plays out of her little, like... Uh, what do you call that? Her amulet? Her amulet. Yeah, it just plays out of her amulet at the right Oh, at all man, the right imagine moments. if we had amulet, if we if we sold amulets that, that played just played Cordelia's the Cordelia's jingle. It would be wow. pretty rude to Anya, I think. Anya will eventually, I'm sure, have a jingle. And I feel like if we, have, amu- if we have an amulet, it should probably play Anya's jingle. Anyway, we're, we're <laughs> just too far ahead of ourselves here. Let's let's go to Jonathan for a moment, because there's this moment, right? Oh, Cordelia yeah. Cordelia meets Anya. Anya's like, yo, I've got your number, girl. They have a moment. Maybe they're in the running for the Sexual Tension Award. There's wow. a lot. There's a lot of people in the running for it this mm. episode. We'll get there. Uh, but then Harmony pulls this bullshit on Cordelia. She's like, hey, uh, now that you're like single and ready to fucking mingle, I got just the guy for you. Wow. And it's Jonathan. And it's his- Jonathan drinking a huge glug. <laughs> drinking a huge glug, oblivious to the entire world. You know, while I was watching this scene... Uh, and feeling my little heartstrings being pulled on mm-hmm. behalf of uh, Jonathan and Cordelia. Yes. I thought to myself, why does that one Cordette look so familiar? So I looked her up. Okay. And you may remember her from a film entitled Bring It On. Oh, wow. In which she played Whitney, or as you might remember her more readily whoa 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 Whitney wow um holy which is crap how they announce her in a <laughs> cheer <laughs> it's good Jenny we always um, like when you thank give you. us cheers so, I'm just saying this is at least the second bring it Cast on member. alum yeah actually yeah that's 2001 isn't it bring, uh, it, bring on. it on I believe so that's correct maybe bring it on just did all their cap pulled all they their were casting like, from Buffy were you in Buffy you're in <laughs> Or were you Kristen's cousin? You're in. Wait, what? My cousin is in Bring It On. She's Which cousin? Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer Peterson. I'm sorry. She's 
What? She's oh, an it's two thousand. Sorry. What? She's where? An extra. She's an extra. There's, there's a scene in Bring It On where they're sitting in the like they're all sitting in a classroom, and Jennifer, my cousin, everyone is in the classroom. She's sitting like two seats behind whoever the guy is in that scene. What? Yep. And she's prominently featured because she's right behind him, and so the, you know she's in a lot of the shots. How have we been together for eight years and you have I failed know. to disclose this I don't know. vital you information? You won't see her name in the credits. She was just an extra. Also, her name wasn't even Jennifer Peterson then. So the, wow. whatever. If you're in Buffy or if you're <laughs> Kristen's cousin, you got in the movie Bring It On. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene, right, this Cordelia is has a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows in very short spans of time in this episode. You know, she's been impaled. She's fucking... Cordelia, I, you know what, Jenny? I can't make it any any further. We have to fucking play her yeah, jingle. Yeah, we yeah, might yeah, play yeah. it more than once, but just give it to just give it to us. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia. You're perfect, Cordelia. I just like. I might. I might. Do this. I might give it to her again for specific reasons, but just wow. I wanted to give it to Cordelia her jingle. I wanted to give Cordelia Thank you for jingle to her because she is such a fucking badass. This girl just fell on a pole that went yeah. through her fucking body. She got literally heart so heartbroken by the boy she loved. I don't know why uh-huh. she loved it, but she did. Uh-huh, uh-huh, She's uh-huh. heartbroken. She's impaled. She fucking was home for one goddamn week. She put on <laughs> her fucking best outfit we may have ever seen. Uh-huh. Rolled up to school like, fuck y'all. Got out of her fucking car. Got bullied by these assholes. And is still walking through the fucking halls she shows up at the fucking bronze she gets pushed into the garbage she breaks her stitches she's back at school again the fucking next day she fucking rules she rules i know i know i love her i know thank god we have a jingle that sums it up whoo okay okay so quick break from cordelia yes go to oz because oz and willow right we see this display of unprecedented emotional maturity yes. in which Oz is not only able to articulate what he wants, but then also and needs. Yeah. And then also when he like feels uh, what Willow's like putting back to him is able to identify that and its origins and immediately say, hey, I feel like I've told you what I need and you're saying this stuff anyway and all I can glean from that is that you're like not respecting what I want and you just want to make yourself feel better. So yeah. please respect my wishes and go away. If ever there was a character who would have this emotional maturity, it would be us. How did he get like this? Are his, no, I think Willow's parents are therapists well, and Willow's parents it has are like the mangled worst. her. I mean, right? whatever. We don't know. I was going to say like, but... oh, are, are Oz's parents therapists and have they like helped it seems forge like him into a emotionally mature young I would I would guess that Oz has good parents. Yeah. I would guess from his emotional maturity and his ability to know himself. You know, I mean, we talked about that even back in like Beauty and the Beasts, that Oz is a character who knows his weaknesses, who elects to control them, who elects to lean on his friends when he needs them, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. is able to in this moment, because this is not how a breakup would go if you were Kristen Russo and you were 36. It wouldn't even go this way. If, Noted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, watch Yikes. out, Jenny. But it's I, like, 
Uh, my emotions get the best of me more often than not. Oz uh-huh. has. You're, you're surprised. You don't. Yeah. No, I you was just agreeing know. with you as your co-host. Like you know yourself best. You right. must be right. 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 I've uh, never seen anything. I like. I've never seen your emotions get the best of you. For example. Yes. But, um, I'm sure it happens. <laughs> but Oz is not this. And and to to Willow's credit, neither is Willow. I mean, Willow is definitely. Oz is correct in his assessment that she's yeah. trying to feel better, but she also doesn't push it too far. Yeah, she can like take in what he says yes. and, and acknowledge that it's sort of like on the money. Right. She's able to give she's able to give him space. So that's great. Um my next note, I have to remember what it's in reference to. LOL. Oh, I wrote LOL John Lee. Because yeah, we're, now let's move to people who have a little less emotional maturity. Yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> well, John Lee, but I'm talking about Oh, Cordelia the, the, being like, oh, let me pretend. What? Who would that ever work on? Is Xander have has depth something perception in my teeth? And can see how far apart their heads are. Can't right. He? Well, Cordelia, I mean, I think the real question here, Jenny, is not about Xander's depth perception. It's about how Cordelia asks John Lee to see if she has something in her teeth <laughs> and, and then, then tilts wobbles her, her head, head back and forth. And John Lee also tilts. I think it's really about John Lee and Cordelia here more than. Also, is he like John middle name Lee or is she just calling him by his full name mm, I don't know I mean I had people in high school who I would like call I feel by like, their full name sure, sure yeah sure, sure, yeah sure. so he might just be one of those people anyhow John Lee breaks the news to Cordelia oh you know what this needs Jenny you know what this fucking guy does sorry man um uh I'd really like to make out with you but we're gonna have to do that in private because I want to keep my reputation because I'm a fucking dude and I'm the worst yeah, you're right, Jenny. It was it was the patriarchy at work. The patriarchy was at work here in this scene. I know it's a shock to all of us. Well, it's just that women are things and accessories and tools yes. for social status. Yeah, yeah, social status tools to yes, and to increase one's power. Yeah. Uh, yes, of course, of course, of course, of course. What's beautiful about this patriarchal moment is that the next moment I have noticed in, that happens here in this scene in the school is between Anya and Cordelia. Where Anya says, can I just say, men. And Cordelia <laughs> says, seconded. And I think it's great. Thank you for listening. I think it's great, too. Um, though it does prevent them from passing the Bechdel test <laughs> in this scene. It does it? Does it count? Okay. Oh, right, so, right, right. If you're just disgusted, if you're, if you're disgusted, with, disgusted with the construct with men. of men. Right. I don't know. It's like if you're if it's two women speaking about a man, you don't pass the Bechdel test. If it's two women smashing the patriarchy by being like, we don't fucking need men. Uh, does it? Yes. It's a good question. Mm. I pose it to you, listeners. Mm, does, please. does that moment uh, count or does it not in the Bechdel test system? Do let us know. Yes, please. Uh, one other thing Anya mentions in this scene that I took note of was she says something like, I was so, I, I knew immediately or like, I was so glad to find somebody else who obviously read W. Which I thought was like a political magazine. No. Having to do with like George Washington. George W. Bush. No, George Washington. <laughs> Just... I don't know why that's how it's filed in my brain. 
<laughs> it is not. It is a magazine that still is being printed today. But I, I did a dig just to see what was happening on W Magazine in the 90s. And it is a joy. It is a joy. I will I will do my best to put up a post on uh, some of our social media platforms. Some 1998 covers of W Magazine. I'm looking right now at one with Liv Tyler. Uh, wow. There's another one with Gwyneth Paltrow, 1998. Like, who even remembered that Gwyneth Paltrow was on the covers of magazines in 1998. Yeah, that's wild. Sometimes I forget that everyone that I is in my orbit now was still in an orbit. Right, back right, right, in right. In the right. 90s, you know, we were all got Kate, what's her name? Kate Winslet. No, Moss. Beckinsale. Kate Moss. Moss. I should have let you keep Leth. going. Kate Leth was on the cover of W Magazine 1998. She was <laughs> seven. Yeah. I, I don't know how old Kate was in 1998, actually. So, Anyhow, we go to the bronze, right? We do. Because Cordelia is keeping up appearances. And you know who else is trying to keep up appearances is uh, Xander. Not, yeah. Not, in the not game, nailing it. Not nailing it. Cordelia is fucking nailing it. Yeah. She might actually be having a good time. We we go to uh, Xander. We go to the Scooby sitting on the couch. You know, back in their, like, pity pity party moment where there's a really great discussion, I think. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That they have about uh, Giltapalooza, as they call yes. it. Uh, shout out to Lollapalooza from the 90s. <laughs> Jenny, did you and ever? And also now Lollapalooza is Yeah, ongoing. but, like, let's be real about Lollapalooza. Wow. No, I mean, like, it was invented in the 90s. What? It was a what's what's the thing where you take off your glove and you th- slap somebody across the face with it, <laughs> and then that means you have to duel or something. I'm just saying, Lollapalooza Gauntlet in the '90s thrown. was better than Lollapalooza any other time. Wow, don't you think? Is it just because I, mean, I was a child of the '90s? No, no, no. I, I pledged my, all my loyalty to anything, any '90s version of anything. Wasn't Lollapalooza invented by um, uh, Blues Traveler? I think you're thinking of the Horde Festival. The Horde Tour. H-O-R-D-E. H-O-R-D-E. Okay, so Lollapalooza just created itself. Yes, it's it it's spawned itself. Uh, molecularly speaking, <laughs> there was a stamen yeah. and a, I'm trying to think of other flower anatomy, I, a bee pollinated, yeah. A bee pollinated a palooza. <laughs> and out came Lollapalooza. But it's weird that it wasn't a Beapalooza. For people who weren't around in the 90s, I just want to be very clear that this was a joke that lasted for many years. I certainly attached Palooza to many I think that's a thing. still ongoing. It, it, you keep, I mean, no, I'm yeah. saying like, it it it's uh it really has stood the test of time. Okay, okay, okay. But it was better in the nineties. Okay, <laughs> we get the theme. Anyhow, they're having this conversation about Giltapalooza versus Xander's speech about living in the now. Now I do, and Buffy's like, you know, Xander, you're making sense. We're young. We have a lot of life to live. Yeah, and they yeah. Have, and I, I think that I just think it's a good conversation. I, I think Xander is a piss baby, and I think that he fucked up a lot of shit, and I don't really appreciate it. So I don't want to, I don't want him to get to live in the now. But I do think it's a general <laughs> great mode, point. General great. A point. general mode right. of operating. A general mode of moving through things that hurt, things that are painful. It's wonderful if we can grab onto the now and live there instead of what Willow is really excelling at, which is just rolling around in a pile right. of guilt. Just wallowing. Yeah. So that that they do that, and it lasts for approximately one second. Yeah, Buffy goes to get chocolate. Also yeah. a great tool for heartache of any kind. Yes, a salve for your <laughs> wounded soul. And then we see Cordelia hold her injury site. Ah, uh, yes. Injury site. And uh, what, what And you? she walks out into a dark alley. She does. Uh, she, and, and Buffy follows her, of course, and attempts to have a heart-to-heart with her, but 
Cordelia's not biting. No, Cordelia's not biting, but someone else is. A vamp, probably attracted by the scent of, like, Cordelia's open wound, you know? Oh, God! Right? Like, she's just, like, walking into an alley, like, I guess she had a dress the color of blood. Right. And recently injured. Smelling her open wound. Jesus. Sorry. And then she ends up in the trash heap. Right. She does. And she makes a very good connection, which is, you know, Buffy, I've been thinking, what is the one thing yeah. that, like, continues to put me in these horrible situations? It's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she asked that age-old question, you know, that we have all asked ourselves at one point or another or multiple times, why me? Why do I get impaled? Yes. <laughs> and the answer is Buffy Summers, the answer I guess. Is, well, the answer she thinks yeah. is, but she doesn't understand that without Buffy Summers, which we will very swiftly learn, she would not just be impaled. She would be wearing colorless clothing. Right. She would be uh, having to go home early. Yeah, adhering she, to a curfew. No she student be, driving. And she would be in an incinerator. Let's just cut oh, to the chase. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, uh, so, right. So, Anya sort of finally achieves her mission, which is to pull a wish out of Cordelia. And it's not what she was expecting. No, let's just, just let's pause for a second for Anya. Because Anya saying, don't you wish, several times is one of my favorite things that happens. Don't, don't you wish? And she just pauses. Don't, don't you wish? It's just, it's funny to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any demon who like struggles in a very human way. Is, ah, a, is yes. a thing that I love. Like, that yeah, she's yeah. just, like, fucking itching for it. Come yeah. on, man. She thought this was going to be easier. She's putting down those breadcrumbs, but the goose is not hungry today. Right. And so now, sorry, Jenny, continue. Cordelia makes her wish. Yes, Cordelia makes her wish. And even though Anya is peppering the conversation with things like, Xander, he's an utter loser. <laughs> Cordelia's wish is still, I wish Buffy Summers never came to Sunnydale. Fade to white after... Vain-faced Anya is like, done, (laughs) done. So good. Great. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX. There's so many ways to watch movies these days. Your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets. You will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code BUFFERING and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Great, great. Fantastic. And then, and then you know, uh, Cordelia realizes immediately what has happened. And testament to Cordelia's badassery, she is Fully present in the fact that she has switched realities. Yeah, and she's, she's just fine. like down. She is fine. She's like, great. Uh, that scary, veiny, good fairy. <laughs> so like, she runs into the cordettes straight away. And then Cordelia has this cackle. Oh my God, it's so good. She's like, <laughs> it's really, if you missed it, I don't think you would have. But you gotta gotta go back go and back hear it. It's to right so after the great. wish is granted. She's and listen so to it. thrilled so, with herself, just so pleased, as pleased as Punch. Yeah, 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 and feeling very powerful. So in the new reality, there's a lot. There's a lot that's troubling. One, I want to list <laughs> of troubling things. Up at the top is Ted Ginger going for third in front of everyone. Okay, so Ted. Sherwin, I think, going for third with Ginger. Oh, dead in front sorry. of everyone. So, <laughs> uh, in Kristen's version of events, yes, Ted and Ginger have morphed into no, sort of no. like a uh, two person, two headed, yeah, kind of two headed PDA monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, but yeah, the, the is... fact that everything else is so uh, repressed and like dialed down, but then there's like just teenagers. I'm going to say it. Finger banging. Wow. You did. You went there. In front of other people? I mean, I think that's a thing They that, went there. I'm just naming it. That's a it. thing that certainly would happen in high school, though. Like, it is. It At just school? is. You don't have many places to finger bang in high school. I know, but at least, like, I'm upset by it. I, I have never uh, done this in a public place, but I have seen, I have been witness to actions like this. Maybe it was after high school, but still. In a well-lit, in a well-lit classroom? No, that's inappropriate. Or lunchroom? But listen, here, let's do, let's let's just do a little bit of hell math here. All right. Hell math. When you're a teenager in high school, you have limited time in which to uh, finger bang. I'm sorry for people... <laughs> Who are listening to this with their children? It, I'm, I apologize, uh, but it's not our fault. It's Ted. It's not. It's and not Ginger. It, I, don't blame me. But so you have a limited time to do things of a sexual nature. Okay, <laughs> so we don't have to keep saying finger bang. But you, you can, you know, in that maybe in the extracurricular, maybe you go to the mall. Maybe you, maybe you even get to borrow your mom's car, and that's a great place. Right. But what do they mean but by no? In I'm not front I'm of doing everyone. hell math here. So you've got some, maybe you have four working hours in the day when you might be able 
to do this thing. Engage in sexual activity. Now, in the new reality, you have to be home right after school. So I ask you, Jenny, when is Ted supposed to try to finger bang Ginger, if not in the high school, during the day? I was upset at first, but now that I've done the hell math, it's kind of reasonable. Okay, but so maybe they're like, maybe they were like at recess, sitting under a tree. Yeah, you know, high school recess. We had recess. Well, I think I feel like it's like free period. You know, like did okay. you call it recess in high school? Well, I guess we called it lunch, and then you could sort of like go outside right, after right. you ate or whatever. Regardless, maybe they were like under uh, the old oak tree. Yes, the old oak tree. Yeah, uh, just far far enough away from everyone. As to sort of feel alone, but also still very much in everyone's like mm-hmm. peripheral vision. Sure. Whatever the circumstances, it's this upsetting. is my least favorite thing about this reality. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. I'm there with you. I don't like it. Thank you for staying with us, listener. If you're here, if we've lost you, I'm so sorry. Goodbye. Also, I want to say one thing that you may choose to edit out at a later point, <laughs> which is to acknowledge that it's entirely possible that third base now in 2017 is no longer finger banging. No. Uh, what if it has always changed the same? But just in case, if bases. they had changed, Kristen, if the, if the, if the bases had changed, we would be the last to know about it. I understand, but you can't Where's change Gabby the bases. Where's Gabby Dunn when you really oh, need her? Gabby Dunn. I'll text her right now. <laughs> we'll know by the end of the episode. Great. She loves being mentioned. Ooh, that Gabby Dunn. Beautiful. Okay. Gabby has been texted, hopefully. Well, I'll turn my sound on just in case she texts back <laughs> while we're taping. <clears throat> she probably will. She's very good. She's a very good phone-a-friend, especially for matters of base and uh, base and sexual deed wow. and, uh, math. She'd be proud of that, right? Yeah, of course. I'm sure. So, okay. So, Ted and Ginger. Uh, okay. The, and then we talked a little bit about the other things, right? You can't wear color. You got to go home early. Um, they have a winter brunch now instead of, I imagine, like the winter formal. Right. Don't you think it's weird that students aren't allowed to drive, especially when we see Cordelia leave school? Well, you think school ends at like 2.45 right. or 2.15 or something when you're in high school. The sun is like already it's starting probably, to go down. Yeah. And then it's dark like 10 minutes later while she's walking home. Right. I mean, I think it's probably like linked. It's probably rooted in in a having control over where they are, and so if they have to get on a bus, ah. then you sort of know where they are. Whereas you know you know a teen you know a teenager in a car, you just what are you gonna do? Uh, I'll tell you what I was Boy, gonna do: I know. not go to school. Yeah, that's sure, what I was course. gonna do. So, um, right, and and then there's a memorial, a monthly, a monthly weekly, memorial, monthly memorial. There's also, she's like Willow and Xander are like. They suck, right? And Ugh. everyone's like, oh, they're dead. They're dead. Cordelia. Yeah. Uh, they're dead. I do like that all of the death and mayhem has not affected the Cordettes in the least. No, they they're still going strong. Cordetting, cordetting yeah. strong. Uh, so, right. So, so Cordelia is faced with the harsh reality of uh, a Buffyless universe. And she's not quite there yet. She's panicked. She's starting to panic. She's like, this isn't exactly what I was expecting. Xander and Willow being dead is troubling. But then she's walking home. And, and she runs into Xander. She sure does. And she's oh, like, but you were supposed to be dead. And she's pissed because the first thing she sees is Willow and Xander 
obviously canoodling. They're obviously still together. Canoodling, that's first base, right? (laughs) Canoodling is first base, yes. Thank you. (laughs) I want you to know that the text I sent to Gabby about the bases uh, said, I'm going to read you my text to Gabby. Important question for our podcast. Are these still the bases? First, kissing. Second, boobing. Third, finger banging. Fourth, doing it. So wow, I was pretty proud of second base being boobing, and I just <laughs> yeah. wanted everyone to give me credit where credit was due. Okay, great, <laughs> great. So we here we have Xander and Willow, and what are they, Jenny? What are they? They're vampires. They are fucking vampires. Xander's a vampire. He makes a good vampire. I think he makes a better vampire than a human. I agree. And do you know who makes a fucking great vampire? Well, that'd be Willow. I would say Willow Rosenberg. Holy shit. Here come Willow, she's a vampire Willow and she ain't got time for you. Here come Willow, she's a boy now Willow women leather making puppies too. Holy shit. It's another Willow jingle. Uh, Willow has many layers. Willow has many, many layers, and Vampire Willow. Well, you know, I think She's we all special. have. A, I think we all have a lot of feelings about her. As a matter of fact, speaking of Vampire Willow and feelings about Vampire Willow, shall we go to Kate Leth? It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch, where all of my fashion wishes have been granted. This episode has so much to give, and the real question is, are we worthy? We have Cordelia in some of her best outfits of the season, if not the entire show. I'm talking blood red, faux snakeskin, cut into a pencil skirt, slit up to the heavens with a matching jacket, miracles. I'm talking a baby blue silk wiggle dress and a crocheted cardigan to school, sure. I'm talking a sequined bodycon dress with crimped hair and eyeshadow to rival even Faith. Not only that, but we get both Butch, Buffy, and Vampire Willow. If this episode didn't make me gay, I honestly don't know what did. Where do I even start with Vampire Willow? Her jaw-dropping stockroom custom-made corseted top? Her flared burgundy Stevie Nicks sleeves, her clamshell boob emphasizers, her leather pants and chock-a-block chunky platform boots, and the fact that even though it's super hot and built to make her look like a total dominatrix, she still looks kind of a little bit uncomfortable, and maybe that's even cute? I don't know. Not to mention the makeup and the fact that she tortures Angel with matches. It's just a lot. Of course, we have to put up with Xander trying to be cool and taking up a role that could have so deliciously been given to anyone else, even Harmony. But I'll take what I can get. Who could stop her but Butch Buffy in her tank top, her gratuitous lip scar, her furiosa eyeliner, and her unfortunate cargo pants? Pair all this with the fact that there are no less than five sweater sets and or sweaters draped over shoulders for warmth because, you know, winter in California. And this might be the best episode for fashion of season three. I know it's a bold statement. We have a lot of faith. We have a lot of pleather. We had homecoming. But it's so good. Everyone is bringing it. Willow even wears a shirt that says mermaids with overalls in the opening segment. And it is adorable beyond belief. On top of everything, and it is a lot of everything, we get Anya. Anya, who can tell Prada from Payless. She is so perfect and I'm so excited and I just can't wait for everything that she is and brings to the show. Like, are you kidding me, guys? The show, it's very good, is the thing. The thing is that it's very good. And Giles wears a really cozy sweater. I just want to hug him. 
<sighs> Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Okay, so we'll just be FedExing a spray bottle <laughs> over to Kate's house. <laughs> Kate is really, really making a, an impression over the last few episodes. Brand uh, strong. Brand is very strong. You know, also Kate raises a great point, like, about Cordelia's leather skirt thing. Mm-hmm. We see that it's slit very high, but I don't think we ever get confirmation that it actually reconnects to itself. I think she might just have a sheet of leather, duct tape, <laughs> pinned at the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, Cordelia would ever use duct tape. I, you know what? You say that, but she's a resourceful, practical, that's, sensible, strong woman. That's true. She did use a spatula. I bet she could like put in like anchors into drywall. Wow. I, like I, I think she knows how to do stuff. Talk about fan fiction. Uh, nothing. <laughs> Are you writing an erotic novel? Maybe. About Cordelia and anchors? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want everyone to know that uh, Gabby Dunn texted back while Kate Leth was giving her fashion watch in record time. I mean, I don't even, you can time it yourselves, but it was quick. Um, Gabby Dunn responded, ha, 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 ha. They haven't changed, I don't think. Also, that's very straight, right? The bases? <laughs> yeah. To which I responded, I don't know. I mean, you can certainly do plenty of boobing and banging regardless of gender. So sure. I think that there's, you know, I think that there's, I think that the bases can be queered. Well, I've been queering them for, for your whole good life. solid 20 years. Exactly. So, exactly. so uh, you've, you heard it here. Gabby Dunn, famous millennial, reports in that according to her knowledge, the bases are the same. I mean, the bases are always going to be the same. I'm sorry. The bases. I'm having a personal revelation that I've been making out with people for over 20 years. <laughs> That's is it, crazy. Is <laughs> wow. That is really it's Okay. Something. Sorry. It's Back something. to the show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Back to the show. So we get, we get Vamp Willow, as we heard from Kate. Right, 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 right. Uh, we're here, and it's happening. And what does she say? What does she say, Jenny? Well, she says that she's bored now. She says, obviously. Bored now. Can we get a little sound clip of that beautiful moment? Bored now. I'll tell you who's not bored now. It's me, Kristen. It's Kate Leth that's not bored now. Jenny and Young's. <laughs> Definitely not bored. You know what my next note is? Allison Hannigan is really good at licking things. Wow. This is like this is like a signature move of not just Vamp Willow. We have seen there were, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I remember when she put Xander's ear in her yes, mouth. Yes. She's a she uses her tongue very ver, 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 voraciously. Voraciously. Thank you. I, this might be worth going back to American Pie, the American oh, Pie series to see, see if she uses her tongue there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very good at using her tongue. She uses it many times in this episode. She's used it before. She will probably use it again, folks. <laughs> Uh, j- request submitted for a jingle for Willow's tongue. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> so, uh, Xander and Willow run Cordelia down, but then you think Cordelia is about to get the bite, but a She's van, not. a mysterious van, pulls it's the white up. hats. It's the white the hats. White hats. So, it's in Larry, this reality, yes. the white hats are Giles, Oz, Larry, mm-hmm. and Nancy. <laughs> Who's Nancy? Well, Nancy, I'm so glad that you asked. My notes are white hats, exclamation point, Larry, exclamation point, Giles, exclamation point, Oz, exclamation point, girl, exclamation point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Nancy, a.k.a. girl, a.k.a. Mariah O'Brien, Mariah Waterfall O'Brien, 
Don't go chasing Mariah Waterfall O'Brien. Is this the actor's name? I- yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. The character of Nancy is portrayed by Mariah Waterfall O'Brien, uh-huh. possessor of the perhaps the greatest name of all time. Perhaps, indeed. Um, who has been in a bunch of stuff like Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, and Gas Food and Lodging. But uh, what the hell is Gas Food and Lodging? Her film debut. Did you just it's read that as though we yeah. were all supposed to know what gas <laughs> yeah, food yeah, yeah, and yeah. lodging She was, was also married to Giovanni Rabisi from 1997 Ooh. to 2001. And my favorite thing about Mariah Waterfall O'Brien after her name is that she appears on the cover of the 1992 Alice in Chains album, Dirt. Incredible. What a resume. Huh. Really? What a resume. Who would have ever thought? I bet you even Mariah Waterfall O'Brien didn't know that here in 2017... We would be sitting in our basement studio. I'm confident she didn't Talking know. of her resume uh, and calling her more than just girl exclamation point. Yeah. Into it. So, right. So whatever. There's like this really quick moment in the library. And then we go to the bronze, which I've written down is the quagmire from San Junipero. I mean, if you've ah, seen yes. the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero, if you haven't seen the episode San Junipero of Black Mirror, get out of Get out of here. Go. What are you doing? Shoot. What, go watch it right now. Come back. Well, the podcast will be here. Jesus. But you have. So I'm confident you have. And you'll remember the quagmire as the like dark club. It's and like that is, the, yeah, like they, the they pulled club. a couple notes, I think, from the bronze here. They always play metal in the evil clubs. They always play yeah. uh, dance metal is what Jenny called it. Yeah. Well, it, it's very fast, but then it's also very. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, anyway, it's good. I mean, I think that the bronze is hopping. It's doing great. It's they're not... doing better. Receipts are higher than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their sales are are wonderful. Uh, they're tra- I'm sure trafficking in many blood cocktails these days over at the bronze. But my next note is in all caps, Jenny. Do you know what it is? I don't. No, not fruit punch mouth. <laughs> fruit punch mouth. Kristen. Fruit punch mouth. Kristen shrieked in horror as we were watching this, and oh. was like, the only thing worse than fruit punch mouth every time I think I'm safe oh my god do you want to know do you want (laughs) me to tell everybody what the only I'll tell you all the only thing worse than fruit punch mouth is fucking fruit punch mouth picking up an espresso a tiny espresso mug with his long (laughs) spindly nails and then pulling a tiny espresso mug up to his fucking fruit punch mouth and drinking out of it I have never this is this should have come with a trigger warning I'm pissed This is the funniest thing that has happened to me in some time. (laughs) Thank you, Kristen. You're welcome. Uh, Then I have Vamp Willow with a bunch of exclamation points because I guess I got excited all over again about Vamp Willow here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's she's just just like, she's doing it. Swaying hither and thither. Oh, she's really, I think think her face changes for the first time here. Yes, that's what what we see. And she looks great. She looks great in Vamp Face. Willow and Xander both look really great in Vamp Face. Yeah. I feel like they also look kind of like different, like they look newer or something. Like they look more developed than I feel like we've seen. Right. Maybe they were so, you know, maybe the makeup team was like, well, let's take it up a notch for these two. Yeah. I like the uh, the master, though I don't want to give him anything and except for fucking a wipe for his mouth. (laughs) 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 Just clean it. Clean it. But I will give him credit for um, this line where he says to them, like, you know, either fucking figure this shit out or I'll see you two kissing daylight. Yeah, what a great... Kissing daylight. Right? Maybe that's the title of your next album, Jenny. Kissing... Kissing daylight. Daylight. Not kissing Uh, toast, for example. so, (laughs) So we go back to the library, Giles and Cordy... 
together again. <laughs> and Cordelia is fa- Cordelia is just keeping the title of badass in this episode because normally I feel like in a scene like this, you know, it's like Cordelia would be like, but Giles, and Giles would interrupt her and like, right, 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 she, right. You don't. She's like, no, 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 shut She's up. She's like, shut the fuck up. Buffy I have is shit. supposed to be yeah, here. Right. I have stumbled into this and like, reality. she dies just moments later, which is what I think takes it even higher a badass. Like, she fucking got that shit out in the, like, one minute yeah, she had Yeah, which so dying. rarely happens. And also is like, how come you're here and Buffy's not? You're, you were her watcher. Right. And he's like, I've never told anybody I was a watcher. He's all flummoxed. I love that even in the reality where um, Giles isn't Buffy's watcher, he's still the school librarian. Or is he just yeah. in Sunnydale? Well, because- I think he is the librarian. I think he was specifically sought the job of the school librarian so that he he would be installed in Buffy's life before she even got to the school. But then she never shows up. But she has well, just keeps his job. You know, and the Watchers Council, they need to get their act they together. Have, they're poor communicators, this is... I think. So Cordelia dies. Cordelia dies. And okay, I have a lot of conflict. Okay, let's talk through, let's have a sexual tension award conversation. Uh, among uh, is this it or just this is it. preliminary? No, we're going to oh. discuss it now and we're going to decide who to give it to. Okay? All right. Okay. Ready? I always want to give a sexual tension nod to two strong women uh, bashing on the patriarchy together. Yes. I feel yes. like there's always a certain energy mm-hmm. created there that could perhaps lead to uh, sexual activity, uh-huh. thereby smashing wow. the patriarchy even further. Yes. Right? So I'm going to throw Anya and Cordelia in the ring. Yeah, they can't be that far away from that utility closet. <laughs> Precisely. Willow would be hurt, I think. Mm. Speaking of Willow, so there's two thruples in this episode, <laughs> but I have pause about awarding them. So the when we had the thruple, when the Angel Spike Drew thruple was awarded their award, they got the biggest award of all. They got they, they took the <laughs> queen. They the, took it all. They took it all with their thrupleness. But they were kind of all like consenting. They were all into it, or so oh, right, or so we imagined, you right, know. And right, that's right. where my question lies: because right. we, are we awarding it on what we would like to imagine, or are we awarding it with what exists within the show? I think we're awarding it with what we'd like to imagine. Okay, okay, okay. And and in that vein, I posit the two thruples in also in competition. We have Cordy, Xander, and Willow. Yes. Right? Yes. In this scene that we were just about to, to uh-huh. go into. And we also then later have Willow, Angel, and Xander. We've already seen sexual tension between Cordelia and Willow. We know it's there. They've had the utility closet. We've already seen <laughs> sexual tension between Xander and Angel at the hospital. Oh, yeah. Xander brought in flowers. <laughs> so we know that pre-existing sexual tension exists between certain characters. And I'm just saying that if it were up to me in my mind... I would give it to Cordelia, Willow, and Xander. But because I don't know if I'm positing something problematic, I'm I'm opening it up to discussion. Jenny, I don't know. Would you do you have any th- thoughts? Well, there's you never lean been in any direction? anyone more qualified to confidently lead a conversation <laughs> about what is appropriate or not appropriate 
uh, what might be triggering uh-huh. or offensive. Yes, yes, yes. I'm definitely the person you want. You are. You're very good at speaking of complicated manner, <laughs> uh, complicated issues. Well, so uh, so I'm struggling is what I'm saying. Yeah. So sh- so should we err err on the side of caution in these troubled times and mm. give it to a, a brilliant pair, Anya and Cordelia, or sure. should we say, you know what, this is about fan, this is about fantasy that exists outside of the. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to, without any guidance from my co-host. Thank God. Sam, do you have any opinions on this? Sam's just sleeping next to me. No one is here to help me. I am going to award it to Anya and Cordelia. But I want everyone to know that in my hearts of hearts, in my fantasy world, I would have given it to the thruple of Cordelia Willow and Xander. That's your fanfic. That's my fanfic. So I will hold that. I will have that as mine, as sure. my personal my personal thing that I will take away. Wow. But you all, with together as a group, we will uh, come together and award it to Cordelia. And Anya, congratulations. Anya, first episode right out the gates grabbing a sexual tension award. Proud of you. Pretty exciting. Proud of you. And you two, you go make out in that closet and you keep on smashing the patriarchy. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you very much. Speaking of sexual tension awards, as you may remember, last season, our listener Emily made a sexual tension award bracket for season two where we were all able to vote on our favorite sexual attention award winners across season two and narrowed it all the way down to the season two sexual attention award winner, which was, of course, the vampire thruple of Drusilla, Spike, and Angel. Yes, yes, it was. And we will, of course, be doing this for season three once we get to the end of it. But we didn't do that for season one. And we want to make sure that when we get to the end of season seven, we are able to have the biggest showdown for sexual attention (laughs) in this series that has ever been recorded in history. Wow. Uh, So... Now that we're, you know, a few episodes in, we're going to go back to season one and we're going to do this bracket for season one. So for those of you who are just joining us, you haven't listened to season one, you just jump right in. What are you doing? First of all, you could go Mm. back to the beginning, listen to all of them. But for those of you who are with us in season one, you will know, you will remember, you will know that in this bracket that goes live today, we will have against each other things like Buffy and Cordelia. Cordelia and Cordelia. Win, 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 win. Luke, I know, Cordelia and Cordelia. Like, we're we're placing bets. Xander and Blaine? Hey, teachers, what's up? There's so many. There's a hyena five-way. Listen, you just, (laughs) we made a bit.ly. Uh, Emily has created this entire thing. All of the images, everything. Surround a huge. And they're all hilarious. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so, so much, Emily. You are making this just such a joyous thing. So what you need to do to participate is go to bit.ly, so it's bit.ly, forward slash, buffering STA. So the name of our podcast, buffering, and then STA for sexual tension award, all lowercase. And that's going to take you to the quiz. You can fill it out. Now, there's going to be many rounds of voting. So we suggest, if you're not a patron, because patrons will get emails about this, but if you're not a patron, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. All of those places, we will let you know when the next round of voting goes up. Yes. And by the time we get to our next episode, which is November 29th, we will crown the Sexual Attention Award winner for season <laughs> one, okay? I don't know why we're even bothering with all this ceremony. It's clearly Cordelia Hey, squared. don't influence the voting, Jenny. <laughs> so now that we've got that out of the way, I just want to acknowledge that after uh, Xander and Willow finish killing Cordelia, mm-hmm. they drop her to the floor and she makes exactly no noise. Right. No noise. Right. And then immediately after that, 
Willow throws the key to the cage that Giles is locked in on the floor also and it no loudly clatters. Uh, who's the sound person on this well, episode? Well, what I'm wondering is, is Cordelia so perfect <laughs> that she somehow just fluttered to the floor like a beautiful dead feather? If a Cordelia falls in a library and no one is there to hear it. Right, but... People were there and we were watching. Right. This I thought you were going to say, flawed. like, is it is this some kind of, like, play on the fact that she's not in that reality? Or, oh. like, I thought you were going to be thinking big thoughts. No, but you nope. were just like, is Cordelia a butterfly? That's uh, my deal. Which is great. Um, so, and and now tying to, so, right, Giles is in the cage. Cordelia dies. Cord, uh, Giles sees the amulet on yes. Cordelia. Snags it off of her before Larry and Oz take her to the incinerator. I was glad that Giles took the necklace off so gently. I don't know why, but when he went for it, I thought he was just going to, like, rip it off of her neck. I don't know oh. why that, that that's, like, what. I think just because the world is horrible here. Yes, the world and is I horrible. And I just, I, don't, I never know what to trust. We learn in the following phone call that Cleveland... Cleveland is also a hellmouth. Ah. Cleveland is well. There's a lot of demonic. There's activity. a lot of demonic activity. Right. In Cleveland is what they say. I re- I remember tweeting a while back that um, LaGuardia Airport was uh, second in line for yes. hellmouth, and a lot of you tweeted back like, "What about Cleveland? What about Cleveland?" And I was confused because I've only seen the series once. I forgot, and now I'm reminded, and this is why everyone. You just thought those people. I was just like, Cleveland. man, everyone hates Cleveland. What? No. Okay, I get it. I love listening to Giles on the phone uh, saying like Sunnydale is on a hell mouth and then indignantly uh, responding. <laughs> it is so. Right, right. <laughs> so Willow's reward for killing Cordelia yes. is that she gets to play with the puppy. With the the puppy. puppy is Angel and that means it's time for another installment of Angel Combustion Watch. So one thing Willow likes to do is throw lit matches onto Angel's Oops, exposed chest. Yeah, what's, you know what? The most unbelievable thing about this whole episode is that Willow has to unbutton Angel's shirt. To, to Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Let's be real, everyone. Yeah. That yeah, shirt well, was... He's trying to protect himself. But but so <laughs> the only way to keep Angel's shirt closed is to threaten him with matches to the chest. <laughs> so what I'm getting from this whole tossing matches thing is maybe Angel isn't as combustible as we thought, he's not just a, a bundle of old dried out straw waiting to go up in flames mm-hmm, as we had mm-hmm, previously mm-hmm. thought. So maybe it's not so unsafe for him to be tossing logs on right, fire. Right, it seems like much fire would be needed. Yeah, it feels like, it just kind of feels like there's some inconsistency going on in terms of vampires and, and fire. It's also interesting to me that Angel, that we learn, I guess, that vampires scar from being burned. At least in this reality, At least in do. this reality, because then you'd think that vampires would have some scars. From being yeah. burned. I mean, the guy's been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Right? A couple of burn scars. Even a cigarette ember. I mean, I've, I have dropped a cigarette ember on myself many a time. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and it hurts. So I'm sure that, you know, Spike would have. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's so always smoking. Oh, yeah. He's always smoking. Yeah. He's always got to light a cigarette. All right. There's a lot to think about here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. The puppy. The puppy. Uh, I wish we could call Angel the puppy forever. Um, we can. That's There's true. Stopping us. Willow's gonna make you bark. Nah. Okay. Uh, my note. I know we already gave the award, but my note in my in my notes is, "Oh no, another thruple." And Xander's <laughs> quote: "I just want to watch." Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah. You you made Jenny's response was precisely it. She made a face that was kind of into the, it, it and a noise that was kind of grossed out. It was like you were right on the edge. You were <laughs> yeah. like, "Do I hate it or do I?" It's I don't know. Complicated. It is complicated. It is complicated. 
So Giles finds the symbol of Onyanka in one of his books and realizes that he has more research to do. Giles still drives that car in this reality. Yes, I had that note too. Good to know in this reality. The, the Citrion, the Citron. The, the thing we'll never remember how to no, say. No, it's not even remember. We have conflicting people emailing us, mm. telling us to pronounce it all different ways. So uh, people are like, I'm from France. And you say it. That I don't, right, right, I don't right. know who to trust anymore. So we see <laughs> vampires herding humans like cattle into yes. a little wagon. I want to make a note that Giles says, I tried calling her. And I think we all know that Buffy specifically said that when the apocalypse comes... To beep her. To beep her. Thank Obviously. you. Obviously. She did not say call me. Maybe there are no beepers in this reality. No, but you know what? You're having too much fun with this reality. You're just taking things out yeah. willy-nilly. Well, what's really peculiar is I feel like Giles literally just called Cleveland. Yes. And she's already there. She's there. There's so time maybe there's teleportation yeah, t- <laughs> in this reality, too. Uh, Buffy is rocking a sweet lip scar in this Looks reality. A long great. braid. I like Looks it. Great. I like it. Yes, it's good. It's all good. I thought we were getting another Giles knockout. I wrote knockout number 13 and then I crossed it out. Nope. He yep, didn't. No, he, he was not down. Out. Uh, okay, so then we're we're in Giles' apartment. Yes. And this is another very important conversation. Um, I I have to believe in a better world, right? This uh-huh. is Giles' stance. Yes. Buffy's stance is I have to live in this one. I don't like she she has no belief in anything <sighs> bigger or better. So- Dark. It's so dark. In this reality, Buffy is the the opposite of Buffy, right? I mean, the whole reason that Buffy is able to overcome, to win, is because she does have belief in the fact that evil can be overcome, that she can fight, that she can win. Well, also, she she believes that she can fight and she can win, but she believes that this is the best that the world can be. And she also, what she has in reality A is family and yes. friends and yes. a watcher. Like, she has a strong support group, which is uh, repeatedly highlighted as mm-hmm. a uh, anomaly in terms of slayers throughout history. Right, and the reason that she cheats death. And we'll get, you know, we'll get to this fight scene in the factory and talk about this a little bit more, but it's the reason that she escapes some moments that she would not have escaped otherwise. Right, right, like just at the beginning of the episode. Right, precisely. With, uh, what's his face? Cthulhu. No, what's my guy's name? Zoidberg. Zoidberg. With Zoidberg. Uh, so also a little note uh, that happens in the scene between Giles and Buffy that I like is when Giles is like, Cordelia said she knew you. And Buffy says, probably just a big fan. <laughs> Which I love. In this reality? Like, the public knows about Buffy's work. And oh, like, I thought she, she was just being sarcastic. Oh, I liked the, but way, also, I liked the idea that, like, there was a Buffy fan club, but it was in Sunnydale. Like, it was in the world, and it sure. was for Buffy in Cleveland. Into it. So Buffy goes to the factory. Uh, yeah, once she finds the, out that the there's a boss vamp uh, in this town and nobody has killed him, she's like, I'll just take care of that for you while I'm here. Yes, because she, that's all I'm good at. But she first locks eyes with Angel, who says... Oh my that God. Buffy was Buffy. my destiny. Just <laughs> Angel is dramatic in every reality, far yeah, and yeah, wide. Yeah. He knows no other way to be. And thank God somebody burned his chest so that his shirt could be, oops, open <laughs> oh, in this scene. <laughs> his shirt's still fucking unbuttoned. Um, and Angel in this reality has waited for Buffy. He knows he's supposed to help her, but she never came. Yeah, just like Giles working at the library. Right. Just wait. Everybody's waiting for Slayer that never arrived. Uh, And then we go to the factory. Okay. Yes. This is a huge problem for me. Mm. Huge problem for me. Why? Uh, Because the master is like, 
Welcome to a brave new world, industrialization. Too long have we been bound to the routine of the predator, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, let me show you how this works. Right. Okay. So, Wobo Whitney goes on the belt, Mm -hmm. slides down Mm -hmm. after being cattle prodded and immobilized, and a bunch of uh, like really thick needles pop up. Yeah. And reminiscent of the glove of Minigon. Yes. It's like a body glove. Yes, exactly. Enter her body wherever. Right. Definitely piercing organs. Right. They go into her middle. Right. But all they pull out is blood mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's drained and then they have it like on tap or whatever. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Yes. Consider the hours, uh, the, the hours of labor, mm-hmm. uh, the hours of engineering. Mm-hmm. That go into designing and constructing this uh, system, this process, right? Uh, and and the upkeep and the labor of rounding people up and then putting them on this thing, right. and then having blood on tap, and then also like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't yield more for the vampires, and it robs them of their natural of fulfilling their natural instinct by. Hunting and killing, which so, for predators seems pretty important. Well, this is interesting, Jenny, because, you know, I bet you that hundreds of years ago, uh, there were two girls making a podcast. Sure. At the start of the Industrial Revolution. Sure. And they were saying, why in God's name, it is in our it is in our instincts to go out to pick fruit from the trees, uh-huh. to, to uh, get small fowl uh, and kill them with our hands or instruments that we've created. And this is, people would... People wouldn't be happy anymore if they just purchased boxes of food. Ooh, listen, the, they just wouldn't. I'm just saying. I, I get what find you're saying. That podcast. I get what you're saying. Exists. Sure, but <laughs> this is definitely a long way around situation. But they don't ignore it. That's d- addressed directly by the master. He says there's a whole faction of vampires, you amongst their ranks, That's who right. say this is fucked up. That death is our art. That this Hell is what yeah. we do. I'm I am on that side too. I I mean I agree. I li- I do like buying a, a prepackaged box of pasta. I will say, but I <laughs> but I agree with the mentality that mass production is certainly tied into like the death of a species and <laughs> and uh, that probably is not a good thing for vampires or humans alike. I also love the quote from. Uh, the master, he has a couple good moments uh, the, uh, here because there's another quote where he says, uh, humans with their plebeian minds have brought us a demonic concept. Jesus. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that this is no good. I also think that we're seeing, you know, you mentioned like upkeep and like hurting all the people. We're seeing like the first, this is the very first time it's happened. So I don't think that they have like all of the kinks worked out of the system. Right. That I'm, Fine. I'm sure. I'm just like, it's not good. No, it's not good. For sure. It's not good. I'm not buying stuff stock in this company. No. So there's a lot of, this episode really had a lot of like 2017 in it for me. You know, like 2017 has been a rough fucking year, guys. Uh-huh. We're rolling around into 2018 and 2017 has been rough. It started a, about a year ago, almost to the day, with fucking some <sighs> bullshit that brought us into a pile of just stinking bullshit that we're still sitting in. And this episode, and this episode, like, highlights that because we're about to get into this scene this beautiful beautiful scene i think Mm -hmm. that happens right i know you're upset about the mass production so am i i'm I'm upset about it in the world and i'm upset about it in sunnydale okay i don't like it for vampires or people but then 
the thing that we touched on where Buffy has no belief in a better world is it's sort of like why this podcast is what it is right now is because Buffy does have a belief in a better world, does have a belief that we can fight evil mm-hmm. and, and does believe that there's more than just this. And so watching this episode was very moving to me, this scene in particular, because they lay out what it could look like if we didn't believe that there was something better. You know, there's still a fight. There's still a battle happening here. But it's so tragically sad. We see Oz kill Willow. We mm. see Buffy kill Xander. And we see the master kill Buffy. Yes. Right? Which is, which, which is to take us back. Oh, I have the chills. Because this takes us back to the end of season one. Right. Which is fucking where we were when the fucking election happened. Oh, my God. Wow, guys. Sorry. I'm having a moment live. You really are. <laughs> unfiltered realization happening oh. right here. I'm going to cry. But, like, at the end of season one, she did die, just like she dies here. But she had her fucking friends, and she had her community, and she yeah. had everybody around her, and they were like, fucking, you can do this, and we're here with you, and we're going to stand with you, and we're going to fight with you, and fuck this shit. And, they, and they're and they fighting, and they're winning. Yes. And in this reality, she doesn't have that. She doesn't have her friends. She doesn't rely on it. She doesn't have the belief in it, and she, she doesn't survive. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thankful for all of you. I'm thankful that we have each other. I'm thankful that we continue to help each other remember that we need to keep fighting and we need to keep believing in a better world. Thank you very much for listening. Shall we talk about the amulet? Let's do that. Great. So while we're seeing that beautiful scene that uh, you were just describing, Mm. it's intercut with these uh, little bits of Anya, Anyanka and Giles Mm -hmm. uh, talking to each other. Anyanka has been summoned forth by Giles. She's not used to being summoned by a She's man. Pissed. She is not thrilled. She puts <laughs> him in a chokehold. It's really intense. And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. And I need to like get back to the better world. And she's like, You're a trusting fool. How do you know that world is any better than this one? Yes. And he says, Because it has to be. Oh, Giles. Because it has to be. Because it has to be. Oh, Giles. Always getting me. He smashes her amulet. He smashes it. He sure it, does. And zap, they go back to the moment when <laughs> Anya and Cordelia were standing in the courtyard, the moment that it all began at school. And, <laughs> and she's Anya, all done. Done. But nothing happens. And then Cordelia's like, mm, I wish this other thing. And she's like, done. <laughs> nothing happens. And they keep going like that for a bit. And then uh, we pan over to the Scoobies laughing while a 90s rock and roll band uh, plays joyful sounding music yeah. and we have a good uh, feel. They try to like make everybody feel better after 45 minutes of pure sadness. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, I mean, it works. It's like it, we all got the reminder we needed, including Cordelia, that it's very important that Buffy is in Sunnydale. Hell yes. And as many of the horrible things that do happen to the Scoobies as they fight... It, nothing is as nothing even can come close to as horrible as it would be without Buffy and without hope, um, mm. which is what they all need. And so, a great episode, beautiful Marty Noxon, David Greenwald, great job, great guys. job, fantastic job. Finally, the validation you've both been seeking from us. <laughs> yes, I'm sure your careers feel more complete now yeah, that yeah, we sure. have proved your work. <laughs> Uh, yes, just a, a really good episode. Very excited about uh, Emma Caulfield's work in this episode. Hooray, Emma Caulfield. You know, maybe we'll see you again. Maybe we'll see you again, Emma. Maybe we'll see you again, Anya. Yes, only let it time be so. can tell. Hmm. Hmm. Quite. 
So I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I'm making songs. You can hear some of them over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, and you can always give me a holler on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. You can, and you can give me a holler on Twitter at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities, their families, over at KristenNolene.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Now accepting your scorned stories. Scorned! <laughs> for on future on Yanka watches on this very podcast. You can support our work by, of course, going over to iTunes and rating and reviewing our podcast. That Please. Helps, yeah, it helps other people find us. You can also become a patron of ours, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon. We said at the top a lot of really fun things that are happening, but just a reminder, there is a holiday gift exchange happening for all of our patrons if you sign up by the 26th of November. Uh, up at the top of the podcast, we tell you how to do that, but you'll also see it in the secret Facebook group and the events page. We have a Buffy watch on December 9th for our patrons. We also have a mailbag episode that is pretty fun coming out next week. And of course, tis the season we have new merch. We have so much new merch in a new store. You go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on shop. You will see all your old favorites, like the beautiful enamel pins designed by Christine Tuna and Kate Lath. Yes. You'll see new things, like a new Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy design for you goth kids out there. Yes. As well as the old Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy <laughs> design, which is beloved by so many now in a hoodie, in a t-shirt, in a baby onesie, in a tank top. Unstoppable. Just... Smashing the patriarchy all over the place, not to mention the brand new Bored Meow t-shirt. Yay. Coinciding with this very special episode with Vamp Willow, designed by Diana Kresge. We don't know if we're saying your last name right. Diana, we're going to email you tomorrow and find out. We'll correct ourselves <laughs> if we're not doing it right. You can find all of that again, bufferingthevampireslayer.com and shop. And hey, listen, don't forget to, if you want to, exercise your right to vote in this democracy for the Season 1 Sexual Tension Award bracket that Emily created for us all to enjoy. You can find that by going to bit.ly slash bufferingSTA. That's bit.ly slash buffering, our podcast, STA, which stands for Sexual Attention Award. It does. It does. There'll be many rounds of voting, so you probably also want to follow us on social so that you not only get to participate in this first round, but in all of the rounds until we crown a winner. Vote wisely. <laughs> so we will crown that winner on our next episode for the public, which is November 29th when we come back with amends. And guess who is going to be our guest on that episode? Her yes. name rhymes <laughs> with Mabby Duns. What? I know, I didn't. It was... Her name rhymes with Labby Funds. Nice. <laughs> I like that you're consistently putting the S on the end for reasons no one can be certain of. Her name is Gabby Dunn, and she's going to be talking to us about Angel and all his glory There's in the episode that is amends. Uh, you also may want to... We're doing something special on Saturday, okay? I'm not even going to tell you what it is. It's going to become a special episode in December. Mm -hmm. But we are making the special episode traveling, traveling a couple of hours even to a place... I'm, I don't even know where it is. 
you won't know until Saturday. We won't know. Until, just kidding. We know where we're going. <laughs> but if you want to follow us, we'll be putting some little clips of this special, special trip up on our social. So Jenny told you how to follow at BufferingCast. This Saturday, the 18th, we will be doing some really fun stuff. I'm just saying. You'll get the full episode in December, but if you want to see some behind-the-scenes fun stuff, come and follow us. Yes! All right. I think we've done all that we need to do here, Jenny. God, I hope Except so. Except for one thing. Till next time. Up in the cemetery every evening I've been slaying some vampires in Cleveland Yeah, shout if you feel how I'm feeling Just a vampire slayer in Cleveland Vampire slayer in Cleveland Never had much to believe in No friends and no family in Cleveland Just a whole lot of death I've been dealing To the vampires living in Cleveland Vampire slayer in Cleveland when I go out on patrol I'm the loneliest girl in Ohio Rust Bell Hellmouth is seething In the slumbering dark heart of Cleveland All manner of evil come Creeping to the vampire slayer in Cleveland Vampire slayer in Cleveland oh. My whole life's one long patrol Every single night I have to go check the grog shop And Great Lakes Brewing, Tommy's on Coventry Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the shores of Lake Erie And don't forget the labyrinth of Cleveland's back alleys huh. I never dream about leaving Cause my calling has bound me to Cleveland for the rest of the days that I'm breathing, I'll be a vampire slayer in Cleveland. 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 Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together. <laughs>